Hello, so glad you're here with me. I've got a really wonderful guest I want to introduce you to today. If you don't know her already, you're going to love this conversation, especially if you're someone who's, for instance, really interested in perfumes. But right now, maybe you're working in a completely different industry, but you'd love to make the switch to becoming a perfumer and doing perfumery full time. Or maybe you're not necessarily interested in becoming a perfumer, but you're curious about fragrance, about ingredients, and how they make you feel. Or maybe you're curious to know more about aromatic materials and their links to the Black diaspora. Personally, I hope you're curious about all three, because today's conversation is going to touch on all of it and more. Let me introduce you to my guest today, Therese Western. Therese is a Detroit-based fragrance and flavor educator, perfumer, perfume collector, purveyor, and founder of Fragranted. Her company is a mobile apothecary and petite perfumery that provides products and services in three areas. Firstly, through educational and entertaining sensory events, talks, and workshops. Secondly, through her caringly created petite perfume line of botanical-based diaspora-derived fragrances from her brand Gentle. And thirdly, through custom and private label fragrance creation. Therese is a former corporate business executive who received her undergraduate degree from the University of Michigan and her MBA from Pennsylvania State University, and now combines her love of the arts, business, nature, and global culture to bring beauty and joy to the senses. She faithfully says, a fragrant life is a peaceful life. I couldn't agree more. I think you're really going to love this episode, so let's get started. Enjoy my conversation with Therese Western. This is An Aromatic Life, the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Gagalia. I'm a certified aromatherapist and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. I want to welcome you to an aromatic life, Therese. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Fraka. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. We're kindred spirits, I believe. We've gotten to know each other through Instagram. This is the first time we're really getting a chance to talk, so I'm really grateful for you being here today. I want to thank you for that. And I think you and I are both incredibly connected to the sense of smell, to getting people to connect with their sense of smell, to smell things around them. And we'll talk a little bit about the work that you do, obviously. But um, I just want to say that you're kind of the perfect person to have on my podcast because you love all things smell and your sense of smell. Is that correct? She nods yes. her head. <laughs> yes, I do. I really do. And it'll be, I'm looking forward to having this conversation. Wonderful. So I want to start with something actually that's on your website. Um, you have something there that you say, which I love. You say a fragrant life is a peaceful life. What does that mean to you? Why did you write that on your website? I just you know, that. that came to me about probably maybe five years ago. 
And it actually came from a photograph that somebody took of me in Detroit. I'm based in Detroit, Michigan. There is the Belle Isle Conservatory. So it's an indoor horticulture space that has botanicals, plants from all over the world. So there was a lemon tree that I went up to and it had lemon blossoms on there. And the person, I was with a group of people and one of the persons took my picture as I was smelling the lemon blossoms on the tree. And when I saw that picture, and it is posted further down on my Instagram, um, if anyone's looking at Instagram, that it really resonated because there's a slight smile on my face. It's a side picture. So you see me smelling the lemon blossom on the tree and my eyes are slightly open, slightly closed. But when I saw that picture and then I posted it and some of the comments that I got, that people really understood that fragrance for me is more than just the bottle of perfume. Mm. So that quote, a fragrant life is a peaceful life, really embodies where I, how I'm looking in that picture. But for me, it's about what my business is about. I'm really trying to help people go beyond the bottle when they're thinking about fragrance and really think about the pleasant experience of smell. And that when you really take the time to smell something and even taste, because I'm going to be, I think I have a broader view of smell from olfaction that also includes taste, that it can really bring peace to you, that it can bring you a moment of bliss. So that's what is kind of the underpinning of my business is really trying to bring fragrant moments to people that bring them moments of peace. So beautiful. I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. So then tell me, let's get into our sense of smell. Tell me, what does your sense of smell mean to you, would you say? You know, and again, when I'm saying sense of smell, I, I'm my sense of smell and is aligned with taste. But when I think about it in a larger um, context, for me, it's about identity. Oh, and it's about who you, who you are as a person that we think about our personalities are formed sometimes innate. That's kind of how we're born, but your life circumstances can shape your personality. Well, sense of smell to me is an identity marker where sense of smell can shape and sh shape and help you remember your life experiences. So the things that you smell from an early childhood experiences connect you to people and places in your life. Um, it can also tell you a sense of where you've gone. So sense of smell is really about personal identity and kind of a little bit of like a roadmap of your life. It, it is true because smelling is incredibly personal. I think people don't realize that two people can smell the exact same things and have completely different responses to it exactly. based simply on what their life journey mm -hmm. has offered them, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And how you're processing when you're smelling something or when you're tasting something, you know, if you're taking that time to really process, you know, 
what types of feelings does it give you when I'm tasting this or when I'm smelling this? You know, how does it affect, you know, my body? You know, is there something else going on? Am I getting another sensation? That's kind of how the whole commercial fragrance industry was built about smelling something, you know, gives a very sensual reaction. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So I like that identity. I haven't heard that one a lot. So I appreciate that's a really new perspective. Thank you. So let me ask you, when you were growing up, did you connect a lot with, with smelling? Did, were you somebody who was smelling the world around them or curious about smells when you were little? Because I personally wasn't. I, I came to it very late in life. And I didn't, mm. don't know if you connected with your sense of smell much when you were young. You know, it's interesting. I can say I did have a very acute sense of smell and taste as a young child, but oh. I really did not um, think of it as a unique trait. But I was one of those children that now that you think about, it, they may say that I was picky, like a picky eater yeah. or very particular. But now that I think about it, it's because I had very, very strong sense of taste and smell. Ah. Um, one thing is that my mom was like a really phenomenal cook. So she did um, season things like, you know, Sunday brunches. I mean, she, we didn't have to go out to restaurants for brunches because my mom was cooking, you know, fabulous pancakes with blueberries. Ah. And, um, she would make these yogurt parfaits and she would sprinkle cinnamon on them. So I had a very strong sense of uh, taste that I can remember meals because mealtime was very important. Um, and then a very strong sense of smell. Um, my father, as we talk a little bit more about it, was very instrumental in terms of introducing me to fragrances. But it was very interesting. He had a very intense grooming routine in the morning. Oh. It would take my father an hour to get dressed in the bathroom. But as a little girl, I loved it because maybe if I could hear him rustling in the bathroom, I knew I had an, another extra hour of sleep. Ah. Anyway, his routine, I could smell the grooming materials, you know, the aromas sure. wafting from the bathroom into my bedroom. So the um, Johnson's foot powder, you know, I can distinctly smell that. Yes, um, the baby powder. Yeah, the foot, yes, the foot powder. He would yeah. use that on his feet, you know, in the morning or um, the uh, Irish spring soap that, you know, the shower. So I had a very, very acute sense of smell as a young girl. That's great. You actually were in tune with it then, whether yes. you realized it or not. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't realize it now until I became a perfumer. But now that I reflect, I can, you know, like one thing, my father used wintergreen alcohol for aftershave and he's passed on. But I remember whenever I would go to the drugstore after he passed on, I would go and open up uh, a bottle of wintergreen. Now, most of them now have the seal on the top. Yeah. <laughs> wintergreen alcohol just takes me back. And I just know, you know, his routine from after he would shave, he would splash on the wintergreen alcohol as an antiseptic. Ah. Now, did your mom wear perfume? You know, she did, but not like on a real, you know, a daily basis. And it's okay. very interesting because my mom has amazing skin. So one drop would really 
project. And my mom is very uh, understated. I mean, she, my parents were um, quite the couple, you know, growing up, you could say, you know, I did definitely, I mean, they were very glamorous, handsome and beautiful. So my mom really didn't, my dad would always buy her perfumes coming back from business trips, but she would only really wear it for special occasions because she got so many compliments on perfume that I don't think she really liked that much attention, even though, I mean, she was very glamorous and always very well put together, but perfume was not something every day. I mean, she had a vanity that had all the bottles up there that I remember, but it was something for more special occasions. Oh, understated. I like that. Yeah, because mm -hmm. perfume does draw attention to you, doesn't it? Yes. It just has that effect. <laughs> yes. And then she, I mean, she even has a very, um, like I said, her skin, she's got amazing skin that just really projects and perfumes just dance off of her skin. So, um, you know, she did, you know, I remember um, Reeve Gauche. I mean, I was a child of the 70s. And so Reeve Gauche was a perfume that she had. Um, she, my dad bought her opium, but that wasn't really her thing. She was much more of the floral. So Chanel okay. uh, fragrances. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Very good. Well, that's nice to you. Do you have any, so did you tell me a little bit, did you grow up in the Detroit area then? Is that kind of yes. where your childhood I, Okay. I was born, I actually have Southern roots. I was born in Alabama. Okay. And that plays a very big part of my um, my childhood as well. But we didn't stay there long. My dad, uh, we moved to Virginia, West Virginia for graduate school, but we actually came back every year, every Christmas or sometimes in the summer to visit my grandparents. But my uh, most, and then we moved a couple of places, but Detroit was where I spent and grew up primarily in Detroit. So did, so I have to ask you then in Alabama, did you have, do you have any scent memories of Alabama? Oh, like, yes, I do. A lot, huh? A lot. Um, one of them goes back to, I remember my grandparents' cars. So when I would go down, you know, in high school or even college, and they would pick me up at the airport, like I, my grandmother had like Oldsmobile. She was a GM purchaser, so she had Oldsmobiles, and my grandfather had uh, SUVs. He had Jimmy trucks. But anyway, like my grandmother's car, I remember the leather, and it kind of like had a minty smell, I think from the air condition. So it was pristine. I mean, my grandmother was very majestic. So I remember the, her smell contrasted with my grandfather who um, was very much an outdoorsman. But the time I was growing up, you know, he was later in life, but we would still, they had lakefront property. So we would go fishing. So his car, I remember he had a SUV, a Jimmy. So it was kind of the combination of red leather seats, with Alabama red clay mud. Um, he had beagle dogs. So it was like this combination of dampness, dusty, and then you contrast it to my grandmother's car, which was very pristine and kind of minty fresh smell. So nice. those are two strong scent memories that come to mind. Oh, wow. And then I'm sure there were probably foods from the South. I don't know, did those transfer? Yeah. To the <laughs> But with my, my, what's more strength, both of my, I was very fortunate. I knew my paternal great-grandparents and my, both sets of my 
grandparents on maternal and paternal side. But what probably stands out most is baking. Both of my grandmothers really loved to bake, and especially since we would come down at Christmas time. So I remember uh, cinnamon and nutmeg because they would make fruit cakes and cakes. But the one that stands out the most is bourbon balls. My grandmother would make bourbon balls. Ooh. And I remember my grandfather would be sitting in the den and he would say to her, Heloise, you know, save a bottle, you know, save a little bit of bourbon. I want to have a sip of bourbon. So she would bring, you know, a glass of bourbon to him. And I remember as a little girl, maybe I might sit on his lap and maybe give him a hug. And I can remember like the smell of maybe bourbon that he had sipped on his lips, you know, so yes, <laughs> strong kind of the smell and taste memories are very strong. So let's talk a little bit about your kind of your, your journey. Um, and it, it, I don't know if it involves scent so much, but your career, you've had a very interesting professional career that kind of led you to becoming a perfumer. And I like to share this with my listeners, because I think people think, oh, I've, I'm doing what I'm doing. There's no way I can do perfumery or there's no way I can get involved in something scented. And I just, I just don't believe that. And I keep having more and more proof that you can have a completely different career and, and find your way to perfumery in, in lots of different ways. And, and you're an example of that, would you say? Yes, absolutely. I'm a corporate international business executive turned perfumer. See? And um, if you had asked me if I would be, this would be the route for me, absolutely not. And the way I actually, I always tell people perfumery actually found me oh. and that I really didn't pursue it seriously as a profession. What happened? I was always a perfume fragrance lover. So I came to perfumery, you know, in the early niche days. So I'm, we're talking a Nick Gutal, you know, I, a Nick Gutal fragrances. Mm -hmm. So before fragrance reviews and influencers have become what they are now, when I was in corporate world, fragrance was always like a, a hobby. It was a stress reliever because I just felt it was, it was like going on a hunt when I would go to the fragrance counter and wanting to discover something unique. Then fast forward, I lived in England as a part of my career. I worked at Jaguar Cars in the UK. Oh, wow. And I lived in England. So of course, living in Europe just totally opened up my mind to a whole nother world. And I really didn't think so much about perfumery because, but what happened is that when you move internationally, the movers come and they have to do an inventory of all of your items. So this was in 2000 and in 2000, I had 36 bottles of fragrance. Now, you know, that probably pales in comparison to where people are now, but you think about in 2000, that wasn't really, you know, people really weren't into that. But then I lived there three years and I doubled my collection. So I came <laughs> back with like 76 bottles of perfume. Wow. You know? So the movers were like, what's going on? But what happened? I traveled a lot on my job. So I had a chance whenever I would either be in duty free or if I'd be in the country, I would ask someone to take me to a boutique. So I was able to, you know, increase my collection. So 
from that, the way it started in 2008, I actually left corporate America. I just wanted to do something different. And I had an opportunity to, you know, leave the company. And I actually had no clue about perfumery, but I decided to go to a career coach because I knew I wanted to come out of automotive. My background was in international human resources and corporate communications. And I wanted to really work in another industry. I wanted to work in a creative industry and, and doing the same things. So I went to a career coach here locally mm-hmm. and somehow in our session, I get on a tangent talking about perfumery. And she says, Therese, I know a thousand people and nobody has talked to me about perfumery the way you have. And she asked a very simple question. Why aren't you doing something in perfumery? And you know, that kind of sentiment that, you know, a simple question can hit you like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And that from that simple question, I really heard her. And it was like, you're right. Why aren't I doing something in perfumery? So from there, I, um, I had prior to this, I had already been to Grass France in 2006. So, Which is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So it is kind of like, I'm very much that person that just follow the journey, follow the path. I didn't go to Grass France for so much about learning about perfumery. It was a, a trip and I actually had a solo trip planned, but when I stopped over in England to visit a girlfriend, she's like, you're going to England? I mean, to, to Grass France by yourself? Because I did, I hit it because many people that I would share my love of perfumery didn't really understand it as an art form. So I just would do things secretively. So she's like, I'm going to go with you. You don't need to be going over there by yourself. So anyway, I'm like, okay, because I'm going to be hitting every <laughs> perfume style. I warn you. you I want to do this. But she tells you a good girlfriend. She came with me. Um, I took a weekend. We took a weekend and I took a class at Molinard. Again, just as knowledge, just as a sure. connoisseur. And so curiosity. That, yeah, curiosity, just as an art form. Um, I also went to Fragonard, you know, we went to, you know, the museums. The museum is amazing. Yes. And so from there, um, from 2000, I also was, a mem- I went to Sniffapalooza conferences for like 2008, 2009. So I was just doing these things as a hobbyist and an enthusiast that then I was able to develop into a perfumery career. Yeah, tell me about that making it. Like, how do you take a step from making it something that you love doing and you're obviously thinking about a lot every day to making a career out of it? Where did you study or how did you even think? Yeah, I find, sorry, before I even, before you tell me, one of the things that I'm sure many people have realized is perfumery has been very secretive. It's been very Eurocentric. Um, continues to be. It's not has been. It's it is very Eurocentric. It's very secretive. You know, there's just perfumers, and they're not allowed to talk about the work that they do. It's changing now because there are a lot more independent perfumers, which is wonderful. It's coming out of its uh, out of the the closet, so to speak, and coming <laughs> into the forefront. But um, you know, it's and it's also it's an expensive endeavor. I mean, getting raw materials is not a cheap thing. So I found it to be myself, it can be very cost prohibitive, (laughs) you know, to, to, 
because there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of things that you have to do to um, see if something works or not. And that requires getting materials, all of which are natural. I mean, I don't, you're, I don't know if you're working with synthetic. Are you working mixed? I work both. I work both. I work okay, with natural. Work with both. So that mm -hmm. helps a little bit. Yeah. 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 But how did you how did you then decide, okay, I want to go study this? Where do, where do you go? Where did you go? Well, you know, actually, like my first step um, is I, when I was at Sniffapalooza, I started working with another company and I actually ordered their intro kit. And that was my first step where it was um, working with um, their materials. However, that was very short lived because, you know, I really didn't resonate with the business model that I do have a MBA. So I really want to be my own business versus in a way being a distributor for somebody else's product. Yes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, by ordering and working with that company, it gave me exposure to the whole fragrance family. So basically, I was used, it was a custom perfumery business. So their, you know, introductory product was enough for me to start making some custom perfumes. Nice. So where I started, I actually started in my basement in 2010. But again, I said I was very short lived with the company because I just didn't resonate with the products. However, what, and then also my business like took off because back in 2010, 2011 in Detroit area, no one was doing anything like this. And I was a one woman operation and it really took on quickly, but I stopped, I didn't go forward with that company. However, from there, this was also the early days of LinkedIn. So okay. at that time, LinkedIn had groups they had like a niche perfume group. So LinkedIn in the way was kind of like an Instagram in a chat room. Yeah. I don't know if you were a part of LinkedIn in the early days. So back in 2009, they had groups that would just, a topic would go out on LinkedIn and you would communicate. So I learned about the, perf, um, the perfumer's apprentice. So I started ordering materials from there. And since I had worked with the prior company, I already had their kit. So just on my own, I would be mixing up things. Um, even though I was, I didn't have the relationship with the company, people would still call me and ask me. So there was an attorney that uh, hired me to come and make a per custom perfume for her clients. Oh, nice. And so it was basically just trial and error. I do think um, I do have a natural affinity because of my strong sense of taste and smell. And my mother was such a very phenomenal cook. There is a natural alchemy that I have, but I did study. So I got books. There was um, books that I got like Nancy Booth's Perfumes and Splashes. I was always reading up on the internet. Mm -hmm. Um, so from there, I just kind of just practiced and mixed things and people would still call me to, to do a workshop. So I was doing very basic, uh, single note, you know, mixing orange and peppermint and lavender. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily calling it like master. I mean, I would never call myself a master, but they weren't like very multi-complex perfumes, but 
I was really always drawn, drawn to notes and ingredients. So I was really trying to push people to really understand what orange smells like, what rose smells like. So and, important. Yes. yes. And then people also, don't know. It's, no. it's crazy. And that also during that time, because I said probably 2010 to 2014 was like a learning period. I also worked at Nordstrom's. I went and shucked my pride and stood behind the counter and sold fragrances. Yeah, but that's a great way to learn. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that also gave me a lot of customer knowledge. Mm -hmm. And it really taught me how to communicate to customers. And it really made me see that they're beyond, because I think what happens when you work in the perfumery world or you're a perfumer or you're an influencer or a connoisseur, you think everybody thinks like you. But I can tell you, we are just legends in our own mind. Right. <laughs> the rest of the world has no clue what we're talking about. They have no clue that we are at this time on base notes or Fragrantica, you know, Fragrantica, researching things, they, they, they have no clue. So it still, it made me realize there is still opportunity beyond the heavy users. And that's really what I've structured my business to touch the people who have an interest in fragrances, but they're not trying to go on base notes and research and get in the chat room all day. They want somebody else to do that and to educate them. So that's why I call myself a scent docent as well as a perfumer, because I'm that guide. I'm that ambassador. I'm that translator on the perfumery world to make it a beautiful experience for people. I think that's so great because I think perfumery can also be a scary thing. People yes. don't know how to respond. Like yes. you find that too. And yes. I don't know what I'm supposed to think yes. about this. You know, like, as yes. if there's an answer, if there's one correct yes. answer. <laughs> yes. I am the same way. And that's really the philosophy about fragranted because my business fragranted is two parts. Um, the fragranted is the mobile fragrance and flavor education part. And then I've got my product part, but my whole premise is about bringing a pleasant experience. I am reimagining the fragrance encounter to not be irritating, you know, not be irritating to the skin, not be irritating to interact with. So I really, through my scent sessions, want people to have that peaceful, pleasant experience with smell. And there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. What you smell is what you smell. It goes back to that journey that you've led. Yes. That you yes. have you have a response based on your life's experiences. Yes. And there's yes. nothing wrong with what you're experiencing. Yes. I, I have to remind people of that too. Because yes. And then also, I mean, I've listened to your podcast. There's also the mechanics of smelling and processing. Yes. So yes, um, this is a, you know, you see I'm sitting here behind my organ, even, you know, this, this may be vanilla, but if you're smelling something rubbery, that's true. 
that could be correct. There could be an aspect of the notes of rubber that's being processed in your brain from, mm -hmm. you know, the molecules and your experience. So, you know, the only thing is I'll say that this is a vanilla pod, but if you've got, if you're sensing something rubbery, if you're sensing something um, alcoholic or, you know, you're sensing notes of alcohol, that's correct. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I feel like what you do is very approachable and that's so reassuring to know that you're out there trying to help people just be comfortable with the idea of smelling and smelling whatever it is that you smell and everything you smell is okay. Yes. <laughs> if you don't like something, that's okay too. And if you have a negative response to something, it's good to know that. And it's mm -hmm. good to know that you can also have positive responses and, and there are triggers. There's all kinds of things that happen when you smell. Yes. Right? And I exactly spot on. I also um, try to make the uh, connection to music that sometimes when you hear a song, you may not like it right away. You're like, oh, I don't like it. This, ugh, I don't like this song. Let me switch, you know, let me fast yeah, forward yeah, yeah, to yeah. the next advance. And smell is like that too. There may be a note that you may not like, but, you know, give it time to breathe or when it's mixed with another note, another material, you know, there may be something just magical that goes on. So, you yeah. know, I really, my whole premise of this business is very much like the dinner table when I grew up or mealtime. Um, I want people to have to feel listened to. I want them to be heard and I want them to have an exquisite experience. So this is my sessions are an hour, hour, an hour and a half. You know, this is an hour and a half where you can breathe. This is an hour and a half when you are going to be heard not only by me, but it's an interactive experience. And to me, that's where the beauty is. I mean, there's time when I'm talking and teaching, but the real beauty of the workshop happens when participants and sh are sharing their experiences. Yeah. And feeling comfortable sharing those experiences. And yes, it's so beautiful. So what, what you do, let's tell everybody what that is. They're called sent sessions, right? Yes. So yes. I'll have the link in the show notes so people can check that out, but okay. a lot of them are online now. Is that correct? Yeah. I'm, do COVID? yeah I'm doing online. Um, there is one that I will have coming up in Detroit, but they've primarily been more private. And when I say private, just more scheduled versus open sign up. You know, I haven't had that demand yet, but if there is the demand, I will definitely do open note. But what they are, they're sent sessions that have very different topics. So one of the first ones is a just a journey through the fragrance family. So they're interactive where uh, participants are smelling five custom created accords that I've done. And five tends to be the bandwidth. That seems to be the capacity that people yeah. can handle from an attention standpoint and just a time standpoint. So right now I'm, I take people through five fragrance categories that are based on accords. And, you know, we're basically just learning about what these notes and accords mean you know, some of the history and heritage about the accords. And then I just let people smell and, you know, have their own experience with them. 
And it's amazing. There are a lot of citizens. Am I saying that word right? You know, people who smell through other sensory experiences. Oh, syn- synesthesia. Such a hard synesthesia. word. Synesthesia. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, there are a lot of synesthesia, you know, not just in the perfume room. Because I remember I did a session last year. And anytime we would smell something, there was one participant, you know, smelling something woody. I smell green, you know, or we were smelling a gourmand. She's like brown, you know, and it's just, I, I just thrill. I mean, I just get such a wonderful reaction hearing other people and watching other people smell. I was just going to ask you, what is that? Like, what are some of the most surprising things you found of people when, or, or I shouldn't say it this way. I should say, what do you think people find most surprising when they engage with their sense of smell because before they came to you they probably were just living their life and you know they're like oh let me let me get together with Therese and see what this is all about but then they they experience it and they probably want more afterwards you know yeah it's for me it's the memories that are stirred up that is what's powerful that you know there's one accord that's a floral accord and I actually um, one time spoke with a garden gardening group, a local gardening group, and we were smelling different types of roses. And you know, one woman was like, "This rose smells just like the rose bush in my grandmother's yard." You know, this woman's probably in her seventies, and for her to think back, you know, sixty years ago when she was a young child to remember that smell—that's what's powerful. So. The most uh, delightful things are the memories. I have another powerful session that I did over the holidays. I did a scent session. And in the group, there was a group of uh, sisters and mother. The mother was having some uh, early memory challenges. But anyway, we got through the scent session and we were smelling my fragrance line, Gentle, which we'll talk about. But anyway, I I have a fragrance that she smelled. And when the mother smelled it, she's like, home. She kept saying, this reminds me of home. And the fragrance is Barbados grapefruit and Baji tea. Now I did not know this woman at all. So anyway, I asked, I was like, well, do you have Caribbean roots? And she says, yes, she was born in Jamaica. The connection that is so powerful is that Barbados grapefruit is indigenous. Grapefruit is indigenous to Barbados. It is a hybrid fruit. It's a cross between Jamaican grapefruit and the Asian orange fruit from Asia. So sweet orange from Asia. So it was so powerful that from that smell, it hearkened her all the way back to Jamaica as a child. And this, the, the fragrance is complex because it's a combination of grapefruit and also these, this herbal tea blend, which is very popular in the Caribbean. It's called bush tea. Okay. And it's a tea blend of different herbs. So the fragrance has sage, it has basil, it has a little uh, star anise in it. But anyway, it was just so touching and powerful that the intention that I had for that fragrance resonated with somebody who was, you know, indigenous to the Caribbean. Oh, that's so nice. That's the best mm-hmm, <laughs> when mm-hmm, that happens. Mm-hmm. Makes it all worthwhile, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. 
Hey, I just wanted to let you know about a great free resource I have available if you're interested in harnessing your sense of smell to support your well-being. Just go to the link in this episode's show notes to grab this free resource, which will explain how smelling can support you just as much as other things you do to stay well, like exercising and eating healthy meals. I share smelling exercises you can do with essential oils, everyday aromatic items in your home, as well as nature itself to help you identify scents that you respond to most that can help lift your mood, reduce stress, and begin to shift your body back to center. So after you listen to this episode, grab my free resource and learn to smell to be well. Tell me a little bit more about the um, the aromatic materials and, and the work that you do also for the diaspora. It's yes. just there's, that's really important, right? So tell mm-hmm. me a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, you know, again, like I said, my perfumery fragrance journey is a journey and an evolution. I first started my line just locally in Detroit. And it was always notes focused. Okay. And my fragrance line is called gentle. Yeah. And um, it's a combination between two words, the words gentle and genteel. And it's a unique spelling. It's spelled G-E-N-T-E-I-L. And it's a word that I created that's actually a combination of my parents' names. My dad's name was Ted. Okay. So T-E comes from Ted. And then my mother's name is Willa, W-I-L-L-A. So the I-L in gentle comes from my mom. But anyway, it's a tribute to them because... My parents were, and there's, if you go on my website, you'll see a, a early we'll have links picture. to everything. Yes. We'll an early picture of them, but they were very gracious and um, a very loving couple. And they not only towards each other, but towards people. I mean, my home was always full. They, my parents entertained a lot. So there was always family people over, um, different types of people. Um, we had, my dad had a lot of international friends. So there would be African friends over, um, business people, uh, but at the same time, blue collar uh, people at the house, uh, gay people. So my parents had a very active social life. So I want my line to embody those traits of being gentle, of being caring, of having a love. So I want my fragrances to be a hug to the skin. So fast forward, this line was developed between 2000 and I launched it last year in 2021. And it came out of the whole racial reckoning um, in, that happened in America. And the reason why is because it really challenged me that week when there was George Floyd, Breonna mm. Taylor, there was even an incident in New York, but it was just very disheartening. But anyway, there ended up because of this racial reckoning, a, a amplification of black perfumers which is wonderful at the same time I had a lot of guilt. But anyway, I always had this, I had this very phenomenal, remarkable lifestyle that I grew up in, not just me, but many of my childhood friends came from the same backgrounds of college educated families of many generations. You know, I'm fifth generation 
educated at a master's degree level. You know, I have friends who come from third generation of attorneys, second, third generation of judges, African-Americans. Um, my dear best friend, you know, third generation dentist in her family. Another good friend whose grandfather was a PhD from University of Michigan, whose father pioneered. But anyway, there was this Black lifestyle that I grew up in that the media somehow does not portray Black lifestyle in the same way. It's always murder. And, yeah. and, and there's a fabric of Black America. But anyway, as I really started honing in on what I wanted my brand to be, you find that most people's brands really represent themselves. That you know, this fragrance brand is celebrating Italian heritage. This fragrance brand is the essence of the Swiss Alps. Where I said, okay, well, you know, my fragrance brand can be the essence of Black culture that represents the history and heritage paired with iconic ingredients. So that's basically what Gentle is. It's I call it fragrance with flavor because we've talked about that. I've got yeah. this very parallel view of flavor, but I'm using flavor from a euphemism, flavor meaning taste. So gentle are fragrances with flavor that represent a taste of iconic ingredients, people and places of global black diaspora culture. And that's a mouthful, but basically it's coming down to say that Black culture, African culture, Asian culture has a rich heritage of scent materials beyond the commercialization of fragrances. And I want to celebrate and amplify, showcase the stories of incredible people reimagined through scent. So I'm doing scent stories through the global bike diaspora, Black diaspora culture. It's so wonderful. And I think you share some of that on your website, right? Because there was one I was reading about. Can you tell us the story about the the African French aristocratic woman and her yes, Morris yes. Lavender? That's such a wonderful story. Yes. I have actually five fragrances in my line and they're really something I really put a lot of thought and heart and time into. So again, I always start with an ingredient. You know, I've always been a fragrance lover. I've always loved lavender. And I was very ambitious. I started with ingredients that are very polarizing. You know, most people love lavender or hate lavender. It's true. Yeah. So I'm like, what can I do with lavender? That's, you know, we know lavender has, you know, Provence and it's known, you know, in the Southern part of France. And we know about the, the note. But what can I do to bring some little, some soul, some texture, some context lavender? So I actually have two lavender fragrances that I've reimagined. I've got the Mores lavender, which I'll talk about. And then I also have Langston lavender and Tweed, which is a dedication to Langston Hughes, which is a Harlem Renaissance writer. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll talk about Mores lavender since you have an interest. So I was able, I'd be like, okay, I know from my family history that goes back, I mean, I have ancestors that were traveling in the 1900s to Europe. You know, I know black people were 
a part of culture all over the world yes. just weren't amplified. So yes. I just happened to research, okay, African French noble women. And I stumbled upon these stories. I actually stumbled upon a professor that's done a lot of research about African noble women. I reached out to her and I learned about two African French noble women in the 18th century. So this fragrance is devoted to them very quickly. They kind of had a little tragic lives. So we know lavender is used as an ingredient for peace and calming. Mm -hmm. So this is my tribute for them because they had so much turmoil. One woman is named Louise Marie Therese. She is the documented birth daughter of Marie, Queen Marie Therese of Spain, who was the wife of King Louis XIV of France. This is documented. If you go on my website, you will see the photograph of her. It's a painting depiction. But anyway, um, there is documented in historical records that the Queen of France, Marie Therese, gave birth, and it's documented to a dark baby who was quickly banished from the palace. And she lived in a convent on Moray, M-O-R-E-T. And she was known as the uh, Mores of Moray. So Mores comes Mores from the rest. Yeah, Mores of Moray comes from the word more. So more was used to describe dark people okay. in the northern part of Africa, people of dark complexion. So the Mores is the feminine um, connotation okay. to the name. But records show that if after uh, that records show that King Louis the Fourteenth paid three hundred dollars at that time every year to this convent to her. There are visitation records that show that he would come to the convent and visit her, and you know, though she was in isolation and, you know, had some challenges, she would always talk about her brother, which was the Sun King, and it was, you know, hidden from the history. So I just kind of channeled, you know, what type of anguish can that be that you are not recognized? You know, what mm -hmm. kind of turmoil must that be? Yeah. The other person that she's paired with is Orika, and that's O-U-R-I-K-A. Okay. And during that time in the 18th century, many French aristocrats would travel to Africa and you know, take you know, an African child almost like a pet. So French aristocrats would have you know, little African children, but this was unique because this family, the Dubot family, um, she was actually not necessarily like a pet. I mean, she was raised like a member of the family with the finest uh, clothes, exposed, educated, you know, traveled. However, when she got older and she wanted to marry, you know, she was not able to marry someone of her peer, you know, someone white European, and that caused her great anguish. In turmoil, and she died very early. I think actually she had a mental, you know, breakdown in sanity. But anyway, I imagined wanting to give a tribute to them to have such deep angst on really not being accepted, being almost 
you know, not being totally loved. So this is a pure lavender fragrance. It does have uh, Palo Santo in there. Mm. So this is a fragrance um, to give you, to give them peace, the peace that you all, we all hope for and clean for mm. in our lives. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. And it's so important to hear these stories. We don't get these stories. Yes. And yes. it's so frustrating. Yes. <laughs> so I appreciate and, and, you bringing that. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what I'm, I mean, I, I'm so honored and I'm really have a vision to bring exquisite experiences to the senses. That's my mission for my business. And what I mean by that, it's more than just the fragrance on your skin. You know, I want to mesmerize your mind. I want the scent. I want the story to mesmerize your mind. And as we were talking earlier that we I also find in sessions that people are quick to make judgments, you know, yes. how it's like, oh, nope, do not like this patchouli, get it out of here. Where in a way, that's the very same thing we do in life. With people. You know, yes, 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 with people. So through my, this is my art form of opening up minds, of opening up hearts, of opening up people to different experiences and scent, flavors, fragrances is my medium for doing that. So wonderful. It's, you're creating new connections. People yes. have automatic connections. And I just, everything that I'm hearing from you to me is all about connection and story and feeling all the things that, yes. that fragrances can provide. So thank you yes. for that. It's so and, important. Yes. And, and I, I really thank you for your community because it it's going to take all of us because I, yes, I found in my experience, I guess I'd say I'm going beyond the bottle. Yes. Now I have a business and I need to have a business. I want to have a business. Yes. However, I do want people to think about fragrance beyond just the attraction element. This whole you know, commercial, yes. stereotypical. Yes. You know, interpretation. Yes. you know, it, but there's room for all of us. I'm that of believer that there's going to be room for all of us and my slice and what you're trying to do is um, it's beautiful. I mean, I could talk to you forever about you know, helping people just understand the beauty of the moment, you know, the power of smell, the yes. power of taste. And that's why I'm calling it savoring, you know, to savor scent. Yeah, yeah. It's a moment. It's a moment of being present. Yes. Of connecting and just you're in the here and now. You're not in the, you might be in the past when you smell yes. it because mm -hmm. it reminds you of the past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that's the beauty you're experiencing the past mm -hmm. and the here and now and I just, right. that's so incredible I call it in you know, another thing that it is it's like a it's an aromatic photograph yes. that we have photos that we look at that take us back to a time smelling is the same way it's an aromatic photograph yes. from an experience that we've had yeah absolutely Well, I've 
taking up a lot of your time, but I do like to finish at the end with three questions. I always like to ask my guests. So I sent those to you ahead of time. So I'm not sure if you had a chance to reflect, but let's try it. Let's see. I'd love to hear. I want to get to know you better. So let's start with the first question. So what is your favorite smell right now? You know, it's again, I'm, I'm very a hybrid person, but right now I am into star anise, anise. You will say tomato, tomato. Yeah, I like right, to right, say right. star anise. I love the anise part of it, but star anise, depending on who you are. Right. And the reason is I did a photo shoot last summer um, for my fragrance line and I do have that note in some of my Langston Lavender. But anyway, I bought a jar of it. And some mornings I make smoothies. And I'm a person that I have to put everything, you know, I put um, spices in. Yeah. So I some mornings I'll just break open some of the star anise, but I open up the jar. And I know I have a very unique interpretation of star anise because I get a lot of citrus notes in the opening. So when I open up this jar, I know I don't smell star anise like everybody else does. And I think it's because early in my life, I developed a love of black licorice and black jelly beans. I'll, oh. I don't know if, I'll have to share, I'll share the story real, real quickly, but yeah, yeah. we would go visit my great aunt in Detroit. She lived on Virginia Park here in Detroit, which was they had very grand homes and when you'd walk up the steps, you know, they had the door and they had the beveled glass on the side of her door. But anyway, she was older at the time and she was developing Alzheimer's and we would go visit her every Sunday. She always had a jar, a crystal jar of jelly beans. And I would notice because we would go there every Sunday that every Sunday I'd go back and there would only be the black jelly beans. You know, there'd be the, the, the jar would be going down to the jelly beans but every week there would be more, the, the black ones would remain. Right. So as Nobody a little took girl, the black ones. no one took the black ones. So as a little <laughs> girl, you know, I couldn't wait till she would offer me the jelly beans. And I felt bad for the black jelly beans because no one wanted them. So as a little girl, I started eating jet black jelly, black jelly beans because I felt bad for them. So I've always, I developed a love of black licorice because I felt bad for the black jelly beans being left in the candy jar all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I have a love for anything licorice, fennel, anise. Um, so I love that. When I make my smoothie, I've been putting that in and I take a whiff of the spice jar and it, I'm just always intrigued by what I'm smelling. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for sharing that story. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> So you've shared a bunch of scent memories already. I don't know, do you have, because my second question is always, do you have a favorite scent memory to share? And you might've yeah, already shared it. Yeah, so I think sure. when we, yeah, because that one I was going to talk about my grandfather's, my grandparents' cars. So yeah. that one is that one. I'm trying to think if I have another one. I would say um, mothballs. I like oh. mothballs. You know, I'm one of these, I think, you know, I'm just one of these people. I'm very complex and unique, but I like, I, I remember um, down in my parents, like being down in the, in the bait, in the closet and you'd have mothballs in the closet to protect yeah. the clothes. I like the smell of mothball going into that cedar closet yeah. and smelling the mothballs. Nice. Very nice. And then my favorite question, the last one is, 
can you um, share five scents or smells that best describe you? I thought about that. Um, I would have to say for me, I would say, you know, feminine, I'm feminine, but I'm not necessarily seeing it from the gender. I guess the way we're just describing it as a trait, you know, I'm very feminine. So I would like, I love florals and my favorite floral smells are tuberose and magnolia. I love mm. from my Southern heritage, magnolia trees. So oh. definitely one category would be floral scents. Uh, spices and I guess a little bit I'm a little you know spicy I gotta have a little <laughs> flavor so ginger spice in you. <laughs> yeah I do have a you know cool I'd say sweet spices yeah. versus the hot spices um, but spi I'm a spice queen I love cinnamon ginger mm -hmm. nutmeg um, that would be number two um, number three I would say bubble gum in the old school bubble gum yes smell. the old school bazooka bubble gum like when you bubba i yeah bazooka Hub. there was also bub's daddy when i was a little girl it came like in a long like a long stick okay and because i was this classic kid like on saturdays there was like a candy store we and the kids in the neighborhood would go to dangerous so, yeah. yeah i would say if i really tell you I, I i acquired my sense expert sense of taste through candy <laughs> as you do <laughs> as you do you know that's yeah i could i have a very strong palate for um an hour later candy or something yeah, yeah, yeah. i could have a but anyway i would say bubble gum I like that. And I think part of, I have a very fun loving personality. I mean, most people see me from a professional, but I'm very youthful spirit. You know, I, I love laughing. I love a good time. So bubble gum would be the third representative of me. And then barbecue, the smell of a barbecue, yes. not necessarily like the meat on the grill, but like mesquite chips, like right before you're putting the meat on. I love the smell the of smokiness. barbecue. Yes, okay, the yeah. smokiness and the, like not with charcoal, we don't do charcoal or lighter fluid, but that mesquite, putting mesquite chips, that smokiness, the kind yeah. of ethereal nature of the heat. So I like things a little mysterious. I'm a little mysterious where people <laughs> are always saying that there's more to me. And then lastly, um, kind of classic, I love the smell of cedar in cedar wood. So oh. wood, wood smells. I'm a very, you know, like earthy cedar wood smell. Of very wood. nice. Gives me a good idea of who you are. Charlie. Are really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. So just to end, I want to um, say, where can people find you? I'll put everything in the show notes, but if you want to just give reference to your website, that would be great. Sure. My website is fragranted.com and that's F-R-A-G-R-A-N-T-E-D. So fragranted.com. And then you can find me on act, well, I'll say I post on social media, primarily Instagram and Facebook. And at the same thing at Fragranted as yes, my we'll uh, business uh, Instagram. Perfect. Thank you so much for talking to me. I could talk to you for hours. And I know this is just a little snippet. I'm sure we'll be talking again and again, but thank you so much for coming on, Therese. It's been a real pleasure. 
Marka, I really thank you and what you're doing. It's a delight. It's just wonderful to be with, a, like you said, a kindred spirit, a kindred nose. And <laughs> yeah. um, I, I really, I'm admiring what you're doing. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored to, to be here. Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.